0: This message is brought to you by ABC Church in Ammonford, West Wales. For more information, please visit our website at www.abclife.org. This morning, but I'm so excited to be bringing this word and uh, worried and perturbed all at the same time. Do you know you can do that? You know, before a big football game, lads, you get worried and perturbed. But for all of you English fans that are here this morning, there was no need to be worried yesterday, was there? (laughs) fair play did they perform i think you were on the way to the let's not say anything let's not you know mess it all up but i think you got a good chance of getting to getting into the final and who knows it might be coming home after all hey do you remember vinyl records yes, yes. one for the baby boomers that are here baby boomer is uh, someone that was born before 1965 so those of you that are baby boomers, boomers, we will all remember vinyl records. Do you remember them? Yeah. Yes, they're making bit of a, uh, a bit of a comeback at the moment, aren't they? But the things that would happen with vinyl records, there's something that doesn't happen with MP3 players, doesn't happen with musical downloads at all. You know, the millennials amongst us, those that are born after the year 2000, you wouldn't have a clue what we're on about when we talk about a record sticking. (laughs) Do you remember what happened when a record would stick? Basically, as you would put the needle onto the record, there were a series of grooves that it would go around. You can YouTube this, there are such things that exist, yeah, there are. And the record player, do you remember a record player? you've got a record player and then came a cassette player and a cd player and an mp3 player and now we've got a download player does that work i don't know but you would put it on the record player and it would go around and sometimes it would jump a groove wouldn't it if you'd scratched the record or oh, those really really posh people that i hear come on how many of you had a vinyl brush Come on, hands up. Oh, I can see Anne. Yeah, because you had a banging Olufsen player, didn't you? Yes. Yeah, and you had little needles for it to stand, so vibrations from the... Oh, yeah, okay, fair enough. Talk to Anne after, But if, because she never had a stuck record, because she took care of everything. But you'd get rid of all the muck, but if you didn't, it would jump. So it'd be kind of playing Bohemian Rhapsody by Queen. Any of you know that song? yes and it would go it will not go it will not let you go click it will not go it will not let you go click it will not and you'd be stuck for time and eternity until you'd be from the other side if you were me you'd come across and you'd give the needle just a little bit of help and it would go it will no I won't go there for you but everybody would get stuck didn't it okay one for the Gen Xers that are here that's those of us that are born uh, between 1965 and 1980. That's me. I'm a Gen Xer. We saw the birth of a revolutionary piece of technology that came along to replace vinyl records. It was called. Yeah, it came after that. The CD, the compact disc. Do you remember all those lies about discs? You put jam on them, you can scratch them, and they were all lies, weren't they? Because you would put it in, and if the CD stuck, well, it was worse than a record player. What would happen when the CD got stuck? I remember Ruth listening to Take That. It only takes a minute, 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 minute. Bang, girl! To fall in... Because the CD would just get stuck on repeat, wouldn't it? Do you know our lives and our minds are something sometimes like that? That we get stuck on repeat. In our series today, as we look at this process that God wants for each and every one of us, this journey that God wants for us in our lives, that we get to this place of being unoffendable. That people can say things and do things to us. And it doesn't really matter because like Jesus, we have become unoffendable. And today's message is simply called Stuck on Repeat. You know the phrase. You've heard it said on many a playground and to many a person. Sticks and stones will break my bones, but words will never hurt me. What a lie it is, isn't it? What a lie it is. Because some of us right now are stuck on repeat. We're stuck on repeat about you're not good enough. And around in your head goes the CD or the record player all the time that whatever you do, I'm not good enough. I'm not worthy enough. I'm not, I don't know, put your word in there. What is the story That we are telling ourselves what goes on in our head. Because, you know, the devil on your shoulder that we talk about doesn't exist. The devil on the shoulder is actually the voice in our heads. The who we say we are to ourselves, isn't it? I mean, let's not blame the devil on our shoulder. I mean, it would be really cool if we could just flick him off and he's gone. But we can't because there's no such thing. There's a voice that's in our head. And we talk about the angel that's on the other shoulder. I wish we could listen to him. I wish they would have a fight and sort each other out. Don't we do this stuff? Like, how messed up are we? that we talk in this kind of terminology? When all we need to change is the way we think and the way we live. And we change the story. And how we change the story is through the word of God. That Roman says that we are transformed by the renewing of our minds. Corinthians goes on to tell us that when we come to faith in Christ, that we are a new creation. Yes, I love that translation. Not a new creature. You know, some people say that, you know, we come from a, a caterpillar and suddenly we become a butterfly. No, 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 no. We become a new creation. The old has gone. The new has come. Paul elaborates on that teaching. In the teaching that he, he teaches us in his epistles. He says that the old man has gone. And that new life is ours in Jesus Christ. And that we are to crucify. We are to kill old ways of living. Old ways of behaving. And old ways of thinking. Please. Can we today not get stuck on repeat? Are you with me? Come on, let's turn to God's Word together. But before we do that, let's pray. Lord, this morning as we turn to your Word, we're going to cover some big topics, big subjects, big situations, and ultimately big experiences that have happened to us in our lives. For some that are listening online right now and others in this room, Lord, it'll be a painful experience of having to think and having to reason their own attitudes and behaviours. Even me, oh God, I pray that today by your transforming word, you would challenge my thinking, challenge my heart, challenge my soul to become more like jesus today i ask for his praise and for his glory amen, amen. <coughs> you know the bible is real about our emotions isn't it? you know this a kind of church that i was brought up as a young person and we covered this a lot in our series that we did some time ago you can listen to that on podcast if you're new to the church or not heard it before it's okay not to be okay. Do you remember we looked at that verse of being more than conquerors and how the, what I was taught as a child was I had to be more than a conqueror and that no matter what came my way I was supposed to have a stiff upper lip and make it sound as if I was like uh, make it um, feel and behave as if I was like Iron Man that no matter what came my way there was rejoicing night and day as I walked the narrow way. That's a really cool theory, but life is not like that. And the reason I know life is not like that is Jesus taught us and demonstrated and showed to us that life is not like that. Did Jesus not suffer for himself anguish and sorrow in the Garden of Gethsemane? Did he not? Did the Scriptures not write for us so that we can understand our human experience and our brokenness so that we can understand that life sucks? And it sends stuff upon us sometimes that we don't choose. And it comes on our lives and it hurts. It hurts. The things that people say to us and the things that people do to us. And the conversations that uh, we've had with people and the implications of it. And there's words and there are certain things that we have taken as being the truth upon our lives. Going round in our heads because we are stuck on repeat jesus never got stuck in repeats he had learned to abide in the father's love and to learn and to understand those same truths is ours in fact if those of us that think that jesus wasn't emotional we've only got to look at the shortest verse in the bible and maybe that's why it is the shortest verse in the bible to help us understand in our humanity That Jesus is touched in the same way as we were touched. And that verse that simply says, Jesus wept. Emotionally moved by what had gone on on the news of Lazarus' death. So talking about feelings and emotions last week, and please, um, I'm building on the progression of um, what we spoke about last week. Please listen to it online or grab the podcast because it'll certainly help you whether you take this message today and listen to it. It doesn't matter about the order, but it'll really help you move forward, I believe. But have you noticed, as we discussed last week, how our culture gets offended so easily by so many different things? As we talked, people get offended by the smallest thing our actions, our words, and even these days, as we talked last week, even the way we look at people, some people get offended. By the way we look at them, how dare you look at me like that? How sad to live in a place that we allow things into our lives that aren't just words, aren't just experiences, but are looks. So I want you to turn me this morning to uh, the Gospel of Mark and we're going to read from verse 11 together. And this is an interesting passage of Scripture here. I think this is a, really, more, a really, really interesting passage of scripture because this passage of scripture that I'm going to read to you is in between, in between like a bookend, if you like. There's bookends to this story of the cursing of the fig tree. And it seems to be, for me, as I read the scripture in this gospel, that Jesus, if you read the scripture before the passage I'm going to read to you, Jesus goes to the temple... And he goes to the temple and it's late at night. And he goes and is f- as if to survey what's gone wrong and what's there. And I don't know what he sees in a temple court. Does he see the table of the money changers? Does he see everything all set up for trading the next day? Does he see all of that? And on his way to the temple that evening, he passes a fig tree because he's hungry. And he goes up to this fig tree and because it's in leaf, he thinks... It should be fruitful because the leaves indicated fruitfulness. But when he gets there, there's no figs on the tree. It looks fruitful, but it's not. And I find the fact that that's a fig tree really, really interesting. I connect to the first fig story that we hear, where we go back to the Garden of Eden and how Adam and Eve sewed fig leaves together to hide there unfruitfulness. Of what had become and what had happened to their lives. Because sin had now entered. But anyway, back to the Gospel of Mark. As we read this story, he comes and he curses the fig tree. And then the next day, they go to the temple. And I'll read the scripture for you now. They go to the temple and he says, look, he goes nuts. Turns over the tables and says, don't you know that this should be a house of prayer? And then on the way back after that. The disciples see the fig tree and see that it has withered because of the way Jesus spoke to it. So now that we've got the context, let's read the scripture together. Verse 11, Jesus entered Jerusalem and went into the temple courts. He looked around at everything, but since it was already late, he went out to Bethany to be with the twelve. The next day, as they were leaving Bethany, Jesus was hungry. Seeing in the distance a fig tree in leaf, he went to find out if it had any fruit. When he reached it, he found nothing but leaves, because it was not the season for figs. Look, my heart's desire as a church here is that if someone comes into this church because they can see the green leaves that are here, that they find fruit. That they find fruit in us that we are not just saying that we're christian that we're just not having words on the outside and things on the outside that we dress up to make it look as if we're a church but deep down inside we're not because there's no fruit my heart's desire is that we will be fruitful above anything else then he said to the tree may no one ever eat fruit from you again unbelievable isn't it just talks to the tree And the disciples heard him say it. On reaching Jerusalem, Jesus entered the temple courts and began driving out those who were buying and selling there. He overturned the tables of the money changers and the benches of those selling doves and would not allow anyone to carry merchandise. Jesus stopped them selling merch, guys. That's like unbelievable, isn't it? Were they lucky, lucky men, or what was going on there? I don't know. The coconut, banana, Rolex—what uh, were they selling down there? But Jesus says we ain't having any of that going on in God's house. As they went along, they saw the fig tree withered from the roots. Withered from the roots. I'm going to come back to to it in a minute. You know, we die and the reason we become unfruitful is because we wither from the roots. We don't wither from the top. You know, in the weather that's around us right now, and you can look at every field that's around right now, and most of them are white like sand dunes, aren't they? As we look around. But the root is good. And I know the roots are good because all we'll need, despite all this hot weather that's been hotter than 1976 and less rain like 1976, any of you remember 1976? <laughs> yes, just showed your age. You should have said no. But it will come back. All we need is a little bit of rain and it'll turn green because the roots are good. The roots are good. Rabbi, the fig tree you cursed has withered, said Peter. Verse 22. Have faith in God, Jesus answered. Truly I tell you, if anyone says to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea and does not doubt in their heart but believes... uh, uh, that what they say will happen, it will be done for them. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. And when you stand praying, you hold anyth- if you hold anything against anyone, forgive them so that your Father in heaven may forgive you your sins. What an interesting passage of scripture. Let's pray. Lord, as we look at this area of forgiveness today, as we look at how we can kill our lives and become unfruitful because of unforgiveness, I pray you'd help us to look at our hearts in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to take you back to the last line of what I just read. Because everybody talks about the mountain and the mustard seed, don't they? That if you have enough faith, everybody talks about prayer. Because those are lovely popular subjects to talk about. But very few people will teach you out of the scripture what the scripture is teaching us here. Is that to understand that God's system for fruitfulness is wholly connected with all of it. We cannot have or own a Tippex Bible. We cannot read passages of scripture that we think, oh well I like this bit, that's really good. have a plan for you to give you hope and a future and prosper you oh that's great and then we go to verses that says if anyone has anything against you or you have anyone against anything against them that you forgive them that you love your enemies that you pray for your enemies <sighs> <laughs> hang on a minute god where's that tip that's a bit too unpalatable i don't like that bit I'll just, I'll just have all the good bits if I can out of God's word. If you want to do that please don't call yourself a Christian Christians are people that follow Jesus and follow, te- um, follow the teachings of the Bible here implicitly we are not allowed to call ourselves followers of Jesus listen to me church we are not allowed to call ourselves followers of Jesus and own the Tippex Bible we have to do what it says. If you love me, said Jesus, keep my commandments. So what does he say in the scripture about faith? Truly, we could talk to the mountain. But what does he say? Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you will, be, it, you will have received it and it will be given yours. And when you stand praying. That we've gone to the closet. Look at this scripture in detail of what Christ is teaching us here. When we stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive them so that your Father in heaven may forgive you their sins. <sighs> Big scripture, isn't it? big big scripture and as i said, shared with you last week for circumstances that i've gone through particularly the last two or three years where you know any of you want to be a church minister or be in leadership in any way you know i remember being away at a conference once and a young person is coming to me i'd love to be a pastor i'm thinking oh you poor dab <laughs> because you know if you stand for christ and you do stuff you can expect persecution to come Jesus says that you know Luke 21 he's quite clear Jesus teaches you this he says you know but before this, they will seize you and persecute you they will hand you over to synagogues put you in prison you will be brought before kings and governors and, 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 and all on account of my name and so you will bear testimony to me but make up your mind not to worry beforehand how you will defend yourselves for i will give you the words and wisdom that none of your adversaries will be able to resist or contract or contradict you will be betrayed even by your parents brothers and sisters relatives and friends and they will put some of you to death that's the cost of following jesus Oh, nice to be a Christian, isn't it? Lovely. Lovely. Yeah, that's what we sign up for. Betrayal by even our parents, brothers, sisters, relatives and friends. And they will even put some of you to death. So if you're not dead yet, you're ahead. (laughs) Yeah, be thankful for small mercies. If your mum and dad still love you, you're ahead. If your family are still speaking to you and you live in that wonderful place that all of your household are saved, you are massively ahead. This morning we'll be saying goodbye to a young person this morning in in our church that has become such an inspiration to me in the way that she lives and the way that despite what has happened to her, despite what the world has tried to do to her she's decided to put her hand in jesus's hand and say he's going to be the king of my heart i'm going to walk his way eh? everyone will hate you he says luke twenty-one seventeen. 17 jesus's words everyone will hate you because of me verse 19 stand firm and you will win life God speaking to you today? Hmm? Because it's going to get messy in the next 10 minutes. Because it's easy for us to say these things. It's easy for us to come off our tongue. It's easy to say this word forgiveness. But boy, is it hard to do on occasions. Because the closer people are to you, and the deeper the love, the more the pain when the hurt comes in. Am I being real with you here? Come on. That when someone we love deeply and closely betrays us, even our parents and our it hurts. So, what is gonna be the response of our hearts? Will we get offended? Or can we be like Jesus and become unoffendable? So I'm gonna share five things with you today that scripture teaches. But please go and Google this yourself if you want to. Go on a little journey with me this week and start Googling forgiveness. Start listening to psychologists and start listening to... Because everyone says the same about this thing called forgiveness. Jesus says, forgive everyone. Don't have a grudge. And in Matthew chapter 5, when he stood on on the mountain, or sat on the mountain, I don't know, but it was the sermon on the Mount. And it's the most famous sermon ever. And he introduced this concept that was new to the world. New in Greek thinking. New in Roman times. Because he said, you have heard it said, love your neighbor. That's what Jesus said. You have heard it said, love your neighbor. But I say to you, love your enemies. Whoa! Whoa! love your enemies that in an England Wales game that Wales lose 21-19 in the Millennium Stadium we could blame the referee if we want because you know it was dodgy but they were in that I can turn to that posh Englishman next to me who's come down with all his friends to watch this lovely game of Raga and that I can turn to him in forgiveness and say (laughs) I'm not going to hold a grudge against you or the referee because I tell you what, Welsh rugby, we go on all about those moments, don't we? When we were stolen that moment against New Zealand, weren't we in the corner and all this? And we, you know, I'm just saying, England, you go on about 1966 way too much. <laughs> so I hope, for goodness' sake, that it does come home, so you can talk about 2018 for a change. <laughs> but you get—we talk about the past so much, don't we? At least you won it in 1966. <laughs> Wales have never won it. Why should we forgive? If you delete everything that I tell you this morning, okay? Go for it. But I don't want you to delete this. Okay? Are you ready? Yeah. Are you ready? are you ready for some truth here that if you allow it to, will transform your life? The reason we should forgive is not for them. The reason we need to forgive is for us. Do you get that? So if you want to be selfish... And you want to do something for yourself. See the context I'm trying to put around this. If you want to be as selfish as you want and do something for yourself. The one selfish thing you should do is forgive. Do you get it? Because in our minds with this subject of forgiveness. We think if we have to forgive someone. We think we're doing something for them. Don't we? How many of you think like that? Come on. Am I speaking truth here? Yeah. If not, say, pastor, you're speaking trash. <laughs> no. Anyone want to say that? Because no. I'm likely to tell you from this non-TIPEX version Bible that that's not the case. Mm-hmm. Forgiveness is something we need to do for ourselves. Some of us need to forgive ourselves. He's forgiven you. But you've not forgiven yourself. You're stuck on repeat. And you are killing yourself from the root upwards. I'm just going to go out there with this. Some of you need to forgive God. You are holding against Him something that's none of His doing. Look, it just happened. It just happened. And you are angry against God and you're saying, why, why, why? Why did she die? Why did that happen? And in your quest, because there's unresolved bitterness and anger in your heart, what you are choosing to do instead of forgiving yourself and forgiving God, because we don't have all the answers you know if we have all the answers we will know all things agreed and if you know all things do you know what we call that an all-knowing person is called god we become god if we know all things but we're not god let's not try Trying to be God. Let's not try and put ourselves in God's shoes because they're way too big for me and you. But let's put a hand in his hand and say, oh God, I am going to open my heart and my mind up to this concept of forgiveness. I'm scared stiff. But I'm open, Lord, because I understand it's something I need to do for me for me have you got that have you written that down have you got it in your phone have you done it forgiveness is something you do for you boy have I had to learn that because I've wanted to be angry I found myself getting up in the morning and the only words I could find to say as I come before God and as I'm in prayer before Him, as I live out that passage of Scripture, I get before His presence and all I can say is, help, Lord. Help. Help me to forgive. Because it was the last thing on my mind. Revenge is way, way better, isn't it? Oh, I could say a few things, I could do a few things, I'd play it out in my mind. Whoa, you should see the emails I could have sent. Oh, they were great emails full of venom and bitterness and all of this thing. And every time I'm before God, sorry. I'm before God and I'm saying, God, help me not to harden my heart. Lord, I don't want to live in fear over here and bitterness and anger. I want your love to come in because perfect love casts out fear. Lord, I want your perfect love to come into my heart. Lord, will you help me resolve this? And I found myself every morning having to let go and say, God, I'm leaving this in your hands. I'm leaving it with you. Above all else, says Proverbs, guard your heart. And every morning I would guard my heart as more would come in that day. More would it, am, I, am I just being real with you guys? If you want a super holy pastor, go to another church. I'm broken just like all of us trying to work my way through. But one thing I've decided to do, I've said he's going to be the champion of my heart. I've said I'm going to give my life to him. And no matter what persecution comes my way I will stand I will continue to stand for what is right for the least for the last for the lost for those that need to know the love of God more than ever because if I give up I allow him to still kill and destroy everything of what God intended for me because I gave the enemy a foothold I allowed him a space in my heart that he did not deserve Okay, five steps to forgiveness. St. from God's word, but based on God's word. If you've got pen and paper, take this, take this down. But as I say it, I'm going to say it once again. Why should you forgive? It's something you do for yourself. For yourself. So when we pray, the scripture says that when we pray, if you hold something against God, anyone so let me give you these five steps this is from leading psychologist michelle Royer rad what a great name she's she's got such a posh surname she already sounds brainy doesn't she you know what i mean if it was betty smith it wouldn't have the same kind of thing to it but this is michelle Royer rad i mean she's super smart so smart I, we don't even know how to spell that is it with a y is it an i you know what i mean and she says this, five steps to forgiveness. These are practical steps. We have to reason for ourselves, number one, who and what do we need to forgive? Who is it that said something? Who is it that did something? Who is it that... We've got to answer the who and the what. What? Is there something in your life right now that's stuck on repeat? Stuck on repeat because you are blaming them. The who for the what. I mean, those words don't really have any power on you, do they? Unless you give it power. First step. Who and what do you need to forgive? what was the behavior step two what was the behavior and how did it make you feel so when who did what what emotion did it stir up anger shame guilt resentment bitterness envy how did it make you feel got it stage 2 how was the what was the behavior and how did it make you feel number 3 understand that forgiveness is good for you and needed for you. You see, what we can do at this point, because lots of us are pretty good in doing those first two stages. We know the who and what because we are stuck on repeat. Ka-ching, ka Goes round and round, doesn't it? Stuck on repeat. And we know how it makes us feel because we live in it every day. But this step... Of understand why forgiveness is good and needed for you. That's where invariably we get stuck. God's word says it's good for us. God's word says it's needed for us. He commands it. He commands it. And we have a problem moving through it. So what we tend to do with these two other things. We can deny it. That's what we do. We deny to ourselves that it happened. How messed up is that? Because we're stuck on repeat here and we're denying it happens. In fact, we take those two things and we put them into two characters that sit on our shoulders. We do. We take the denial and we sit them on our shoulders. And the devil says this and we say, no, I'm not listening to you. You just did. I'm going to listen to this angel. That's what we do. We do the angel devil thing all the time instead of, look, just get rid of the angel and the devil. It's actually your head. Just get rid of them. And that's what Jesus said. We have freedom in Christ. It was for freedom that Christ set us free. So we're just gonna throw the record away. That's what we're gonna do. Instead of trying to fix the record, we'll just chuck it away. We won't be stuck on repeat anymore. We can let it go. Let it Oh, was that great? Just let it go. And how many times and you give this advice to your friends, you guys do. Oh, it's great. You you're you are fantastic. You are. You tell all of this stuff to your friends. Ah, uh, look, it, she did not mean it. Just let it go. That's what they say to you. And you say, yeah, 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 I should. But you're living in denial. You say, yeah, 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 I should. not you come home in the car. If she thinks I'm going to let that go, you've got to be kidding. I ain't going to tell her. <laughs> and, and you don't tell her. And the reason you can't tell her is because she's going to think she's got to you. So you live in this constant cycle of denial. You do nothing about it. You're stuck on repeat. You want to get your own back and you, you want to really say, but you can't really say because you can't let the other person know that they really got under your skin in the first place. How messed up are we? Are, am I being real? Yeah, yeah. Step three, can we move through this? Understand forgiveness is good for us because number one, we can live in denial. Number two, we can live in Repression. And we use narratives. Well, what I have done, I have taken all those thoughts and feelings and I've put them in a big treasure chest and I've locked them up, put a massive padlock around it and thrown it into the bottom of the ocean. We kid ourselves with stories like that. And all the time, you and I both know that that treasure chest is at the bottom of the ocean. And you and I know what happens to treasure chests at the bottom of the ocean over time. What happens to them? The lock rusts and the wood rots and it's going to come out. And then we go even further. Well, I've built a concrete nuclear bunker around mine. And I've encased it in so much concrete and everything else like that. But you go back every single week to just check that the concrete's okay. And there's no cracks and there's no leaks. Am I being right or wrong? Am I speaking trash? Am I speaking trash? So we can't repress it. We can't deny it. We should let it go. Just let it go. So could we do that? It's needed for you. And I'll finish with these last two because time is running on. on. Number four. Decide what course of action to take. I will be covering this in more detail next week. Because the course of action you need to take is to address it. Okay, I'm going to give two things here. Some of you can't address the person that's wronged you because they're not here anymore. It might be a parent that's long gone. It might be someone who has even gone to glory right now. They could be a believer that you felt has wronged you. In fact, lots of people I've learned that have gone to forgiveness and seek forgiveness from someone are even blissfully unaware that they actually hurt that person by what they had said or what they have done. Because good Christians, if we know we've offended someone and it comes to our attention, we're the first time that olive, olive, brief, olive branch across and say, Did I really say that? Look, I spent most of my teenage years like that because I tell you, I, I had sarcastic humor. Do you know that kind of sarcastic humor that stepped into belittling people? And there's lots of things that I'd said to younger people and some of my peers when I was a kid and, and as we've grown up and we've become closer and become more emotionally strong and dealing with our stuff, that I've had conversations with some people in a the moment they said, Do you remember you said that to me? And I said, yeah. And they say, say, whoa, I didn't mean it like that. I was just, I'm being honest with you, I was just trying to be the life and soul of the party and I saw a real good line that I could use that I thought would be hilariously funny. Everybody rolled around laughing except that one person felt that they were the target. I thought it was just a cracking great joke. But it wasn't funny to them. And so forgiveness needed to take place. So the course of action that's needed for you decide what course of action to take and next week we'll be talking about real practical steps to put this into action number five we need to take action so if you have the courage today begin to talk to someone close to you okay don't go and talk to that person yet find a trusted person in your life that you know is godly and that you know will speak to you the truth can I say that again only go and have a conversation with somebody who's godly and speaks the truth the reason I'm saying that is because if we want godly solutions we've got to go to godly people don't we because the world teaches us all kinds of things that are upside down in its way that it goes to resolve issues so we need the godly way agreed and even sometimes the thing is with godly people listen up godly people are nice they're too kind so maybe go to the person that you know needs to tell you the truth because you know the person you could go to today that's going to agree with you and just say oh I'm sorry to hear oh that's a shame I see how you feel do you want to coach and to put their arms around you and give you a cuddle tell you what cuddle won't stop those voices in your head you'll still be stuck on repeat this needs major surgery folks this needs cutting out and so you need to go to somebody who is godly and speaks the truth because if you go to that person they will Ephesians 4 says this speaking the truth in love that person will say to you I see how you feel but you know what you need to do. Do you want me to come with you? Do you want me to take you one step closer to take action instead of being stuck on repeat? Kurtz and Ketcombe, again, these great psychologists with bizarre surnames. In 1992, following the pattern of Jesus Christ, and I finish with this, says this, to forgive Truly forgive. Because people will tell you that they've forgiven someone, but they ain't really. They're just living in denial. They're just living in repression. So they say to forgive. Truly forgive. Involves letting go of resentment and the vision that underlies that feeling. These aren't believers. These are two leading psychologists. So, God's word tells us this. The best brains in the world tell us this. Do you think we should listen up? To forgive, truly forgive, involves letting go of resentment and the vision that underlies that feeling. The vision in which we see ourselves as being offended against. Let's not deny, let's not repress, but let's forgive and instead of being stuck on repeat, that the tune can change, that the anthem of our heart can be that God loves us and that he has a plan for us. And our past is not going to dictate our future. That we will become fruitful again. That not just will we have from our singing heart that we won't just have leaves on our trees. But that we will bear fruit. Much fruit. And instead of being people that God would look at and that Jesus would look at and find us, find us falling short of his standard that he would find fruit tenfold twentyfold fiftyfold a hundredfold because instead of being stuck on repeat we have allowed love to be the anthem of our heart and allowed that tune to sing so strong and so long that it will drown out everything around us because love true love is now the anthem of our heart. God bless you. This message was brought to you by ABC Church. For more information, please visit our website at www.abclife.org or search for us on Facebook or Twitter. You can also contact us by phone on 01269